Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. You okay, Craig? We're going to have some fun today. I can tell that already. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, Tim's wearing one of our new shirts. We got some new shirts, yeah. And, and I think everybody wants one now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to take a photo of it and send it out there. So we're how getting, you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I didn't know we we're getting in the lingerie business now. Lingerie business? I mean, it's, seriously? I mean, I mean, I know you got the big guns in your arms it's there. It's shirt business. <laughs> it's not lingerie. It's not that kind of show, dude, okay? I'm just saying it's not that kind of show. Anyways, we're here today with the episode, and it is we're really pleased to have a guest in the house today. Phil Zeman is here with Center State and South State Bank. We'll find out what that means shortly. But business financial funding, a lot to cover in this topic, and I have a feeling we're not going to get it all in one, so we might have to bring them back. Show me the money today. Show me the money. You know where that's from, Craig? Let me guess. It's from my wallet, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't have, I don't carry a wallet with money in it. My my wife laughs all the time. So show me the money. What is it? Show me the money. Come on. It's, it was a movie. Something with Tom Cruise and some uh, baseball dude, probably. No. Cuba no? Gooding Jr. Show me the money. He's an athlete. Oh, my goodness. Jerry Maguire. Ring a bell. Does he support us? No. Okay. <laughs> it was a movie. Anyways, show me the money. You kind of have to have money to have a business. So we have a guy in here today that can help with a lot of that, talking financial stuff, talking business, talking funding, talking all kind of stuff. So Mr. Phil Zeman, you are the Senior Vice President, and give me your title. Community and Economic Development Relationship Manager. That's the one. I had it <laughs> yeah, written down. That's, I know. That's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a long title. It's a long title. It is. You, Great job, though. We were on the way up to Ocala to do a location shoot, and I had never heard of when we talked about bringing you bringing you on Center State Bank, and I, I swear I passed 10 of them. And it's just like now, every time you want to go buy a car, you see that car, or you just purchase one. Mm -hmm. I, I see you all over the place now. Although, Craig, you were out. Where were you at the I other day? I was in Sanford, and I saw the bank, and it just like popped out at me. And the first thing I do is, he comes to mind. Did you go in and ask them about Phil and... They, the senior they vice president big mural of him on the wall. <laughs> Excellent. Dartboard. Excellent. Dartboard. <laughs> well, we have you in here today because unless you are extremely wealthy and you can fund it all yourself, businesses need money typically to start, especially if you're a small business. So give me your background a little bit. Tell me about Center State Bank or what are you going to be called now? Give me your background and and what you really do for a business that walks in the door. Sure. Thank you, by the way, for inviting me on your show. I'm looking forward to it. It's always great to be able to talk about the different resources that are available in our community to help small businesses. And that's what the purpose of the show is today. So my background is I've been in financial services for a long time, over 30 years. I started out as an accountant, actually, working for a, this will date me, a big eight accounting firm called Ernst & Winnie, which is now Ernst & Young. But so I started in accounting, and I was in a sector where we audited banks, and I was reviewing some loan portfolios, and I thought that'd be a great job, and I really like getting out and meeting people anyway, so I saw this role called commercial banker, 
and I thought that would be a great position. And here I am 30 years later, pretty much doing the same thing. But I've had, essentially I have two careers in banking. I started here in Central Florida with First Union, who became a really large bank. And uh, when they became a large bank, I realized I'm not much of a big bank banker. So I had the opportunity to have my own business. So I had my own business for about 10 years, working in the financial services sector as well, lending money. And that did real well until the economy uh, changed in 2008. And it took me about three or four years to unwind that. And then I got back into banking. And I've really enjoyed this second stage of my banking career because I'm really more active in the community. And, you know, having been an entrepreneur gave me a different perspective on what businesses go through when they're trying to obtain funding. So I became active in a lot of community organizations like SCORE, Orlando, and SBDC and things like that. So for the last probably six or seven years, I've really had a focus and a passion to trying to bring resources to the finance or to the business community because as most people know banks you know we have a particular risk profile that doesn't necessarily appeal to startup type companies at least from a funding perspective and and that's always been frustrating for me because having been an entrepreneur one for for one but secondly you know when you're out in the community and you're coming across all these early stage companies and you know they're because of their experience and their ideas or whatever they're going to be successful but we as a bank couldn't fund startup companies because of our risk profile. It was always frustrating. So I spent a lot of time over the last few years trying to understand what other resources are available so that we can bring those. And as, as a bank, as a community service provider, which banks are, we need to be able to bring other resources to these businesses and help them get to the point where they become, you know, quote unquote, bankable. So that's my career in a nutshell. Wow. I guess we're done for the day. I guess we're done. Yep. We're pretty much we're we're pretty much done for the day. Now you said you weren't a big bank banker person. Mm -hmm. Did that really come when I asked you that came before you owned your own business? What made you decide to walk away from from big banking? Other than I mean you briefly explained it. But I um, you know, I had a I had a customer at the time that had a business that, you know, I thought maybe I could do this. And so when First Union became really, really big, I had some former clients that became friends, and we started talking about this opportunity, which was you know, lending money to real estate investors. And uh, I kind of had an experience by virtue of uh, banking this particular company, so I kind of had a good understanding of how it operated, and I felt confident that I could do that. I was young enough to uh, you know, have the energy to start a company, and you know, old enough, I'd like to say, that had a little bit of experience to possibly do it. And, and it did well until the market didn't do well. But uh, it was a great run, and uh, I learned a lot. You know, there was a lot of trials and tribulations in that final three or four years when I was unwinding it. But it was a great learning experience, which I think made me a better banker today and a better really community service provider for a banker. Excellent. And that's really what we're, we want to talk about today. So, I'm a new business owner, and I've done the business plan. I have an idea what it's going to take to fund my business. When I go into Center State Bank, what's the first thing that you may or may not do to me or for me besides laugh hysterically that I'm going to sell this thing for a ton of money? Well, you said the most important word for an early-stage type company that most businesses at that stage do not have, and that's a business plan. So if you do have a very good comprehensive business plan that shows the research that you've done and 
you know, share, shares the, the marketability of your product and the viability of it and how you're going to compete in the marketplace, you know, you're, you're 90% of the way there because one thing it tells you is it tells us investors, bankers, whoever, is that you've done the research to get to this point and you've done the research that validated the opportunity that you think is going to be successful. So at that time, you know, again, going to, if you came to a bank, again, banks risk profiles are not to lend money to startup businesses, just frankly, because we, we yeah. have our depositors' money that we're lending out. We have the government's money that we borrow from the Fed to lend out. So we have to be very, very prudent. And so I always explain that because I do these workshops, and that's the first question you know that I always get is that, sure, you'll lend us money when we don't need it, but when we really need it, you don't. And that's that's really not true at all. But that is a perception. And so the way I try to overcome that is, you know, if you're a bank customer, and if you were, we don't have loan committees anymore, but if you were on our loan committee, and uh, we had this loan request of a startup company, and we said, okay, we're going to lend your money, your specific money out of your deposit account for this startup business. How would you feel about it? And most people, if they thought through it, they'd say, I wouldn't want to risk my money now that's, starting now, a business. That's, that's a really unique way to put it for somebody that wants to fund that. Was, because, okay, this is your personal money we're going to take. Know, exactly. I mean, you, got, you have to put it in that perspective because that's the money that we're lending. We're lending individuals that trust banks to be prudent in their decisions. So, you know, and, and we all know the highest risk businesses are those that are in a startup phase. So, so if that was the case, uh, we couldn't specifically assist you at that point in time from a funding perspective. But like I mentioned earlier, we can bring other resources to you and introduce you to other types of alternative lending sources, which thankfully now in 2020, there's a lot more of than there were, say, five, 10 years ago. You referenced 2008 and the, the hit that a lot of companies took in 2008 when yep. things kind of failed. Did it hurt or help? with the entrepreneurial boom in 2008? Did people that had been released from jobs go over and say, hey, you know what? I think I want to start my own business. You know, that's the that's kind of the exciting part of a downturn in the economy when a lot of layoffs occur. You know, it, it kind of forces sometimes individuals to explore their creative side. You know, they a lot of people that have had experience in a particular industry or a product or whatever, and they get laid off and it's going to be obviously difficult to get another job because of the economy. It, it kind of gets their creative juices flowing. So a lot of entrepreneurs are born through that process. You said a business plan. We talked about that in prior. That was one of the earlier things that we did, Craig, was a business plan is paramount. And we probably say it way too much. But we have to keep saying it because people still feel when whatever they start their business, they might know their product or their service, but they're little, they're really not paying attention to what they don't have. And, and that's that's where they get into the trouble market. Well, so if there is one thing, somebody does come in with a business plan and there's one thing that they are just lacking, what is the thing that you see most of? They might have a business plan, but what do you see typically when a small business comes in? It's kind of consistent. They just seem to be missing this mark if there's one or two things. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a very broad, broad and hard question. one to answer. <laughs> and it, it's, it's kind of across the board. But I mean, the one thing, though, that I I'm, I facilitate these workshops called Funding Your Business for Scores. As a matter of fact, we're doing one this evening. I talk about the business plan probably more than anything. And, and you can't. You cannot overemphasize the importance of the business plan. But the one, the one thing that I have experienced in my whole career 
relative to successful and not successful businesses because I've seen a lot of quality and successful businesses and I've seen a lot of businesses that haven't been uh, as good. And the one, the one common ingredient that every single one of them has is passion. So that, and that comes through in that initial meeting, it comes through and how the business plan is put together so that when I meet with a person for the first time regarding a, you know, early stage or startup business, you know, that's usually glaring, you know, and if it's not, that gives me a little pause for concern. And then as you go through the business plan, that comes out as well. So that's really something that it's not even anything you look for. You can just you can tell if somebody's going to be able to take it to that next level. And then, and then from there, there's a myriad of things that could occur. But again, if they have that passion, they're going to have the ability and the energy and creativity to find all those aspects or all those challenge or solve all those puzzles that they need to, to be successful. You talk about passion and we've talked about that again before our passion for what we do. Even if somebody comes in and they're somewhat prepared, if you can tell they have a passion for what they're doing and they're receptive to hearing constructive criticism, directional support, you should probably do this, you need to do this and come back to me, and they're willing to do that, and three days later, hey, I need to make an appointment with you, I've done this and this and this, then that kind of helps. You talked about SCORE, and I do want to talk about SCORE in the second half. Give us some information on what, what you do. You do a, is it a seminar? What do you? The SCORE does a variety of things. They, yeah. put on, they put on 30 plus workshops a month, and then they have, we have over 60 uh, really experienced mentors that help businesses in all stages and in all industries. And you are one of those mentors. So we're going to come back in the second half. I'm going to kind of lay down what that is, what people can do and how they can use the advantages like SCORE and some of these others and make it work for them. Sounds good. You good, Craig? I'm awake. Sweet. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. I'm Craig with VetsGrowth, also known as Veterans Business Alliance. We specialize in advertising, consulting, marketing, and public relations. Vets Growth is all about persistence, inspiration, innovation, and strategy. Your success is my passion. Contact me by phone at 407-754-5779. Vets Growth, the power of one network. We are back for the second half of business, financial funding, show me the money. Craig did or did not know what that was, but that's fine. Show me the money with Mr. Phil Zeman, Center State, South State Bank. Before we go any farther, we didn't do this last time. How do people get a hold of you? They can email me at my email address, which is P-Z-E-M-A-N at Center State Bank. And they can call my office number, which is 407-447-0617. All right. And then, Craig, how do they get a hold of you? Well, Mr. Craig, on that Mr. One Craig Lyson on the other side of the table here. <laughs> my phone number is 407-754-5779 with info at vetsgrowth.com. 
And I am Tim Proctor with GRP Studios. And you can get a hold of me at Tim or info at grpstudios.com, 407-862-6882. When we left for the break, you were talking about SCORE. You are a mentor for SCORE. So tell me how you got into that in your workshop and give me some details on what that does for small business. You know, SCORE is a 55, 56-year-old, 57-year-old organization that was formed in 1963 by some retired business executives. And so SCORE, the acronym is Service Corps of Retired Execs. And in my first career as a banker, I did quite a bit of SBA loans, and um, I was introduced to SCORE because SCORE works closely with the SBA, and I I always thought, man, that's a cool resource that we have in a community where you can um, have these businesses go talk to a mentor, and they can help them through the process, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, I think maybe when I retire, I might become a SCORE volunteer. And, you know, back then, you had to be retired to be a a volunteer. So fast forward, when I got became self-employed, I interacted with score a little bit and at, and they changed it where you didn't have to be retired. You just still could be working. So, you know, I had a little bit of flexibility in my schedule. So I became a score volunteer down in Fort Lauderdale, which is where I'm from in 2004. And then when I went to Jacksonville, I became a score mentor there. And now here in Orlando, since 2012, I've been working with it. And it's, it's such a great organization because it's, um, you know, business folks, entrepreneurs really don't have any other avenue to go to, generally speaking, than an organization like SCORE that has these mentors that have been working, that had worked in a field or has some kind of expertise in running a business, you know, for all these years. And these early stage companies or startup companies can align themselves with a mentor that has that type of experience. For instance, in Orlando, we have 60 plus volunteers. And if you go to the website, scoreorlando.org, you'll see all of our profiles and you'll see our experiences and and what we've done. And you can literally go through that roster and identify the person that has the experience for what you're looking for and call up score, make an appointment and they can work with you as long as you need to be. So it's something that it's a resource in our market, in all markets that companies need to take advantage of. Even if you're a seasoned business owner, I mean, you never stop learning, you know, and you can always learn something from somebody else always, I believe. So, um, I highly recommend SCORE, and like most nonprofit organizations, they have a limited marketing budget, so they rely on bankers and accountants and other business entities in the community to help market their services. So they're a very unknown resource in our community and hopefully becoming more and more recognized each day as we do shows like this. We had David Highland in here from SCORE, and he kept saying it really is the best-kept secret in Central Florida over there at the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center over there. At, I don't know what they call it, Fashion Square Mall, whatever well, it is. Yeah, it's actually the National Entrepreneur Center. National but, Entrepreneur Center. But for Center. the location, it's the Fashion Square Mall. Yep. But I have to emphasize on that. David, David's saying the exact same thing. It's a well-kept secret, but we haven't got into the you know next question. It's just that the seminars that they attend, there is a, a cost. But because when it's virtual, since they can't get together, it's free. Yep. And he is emphasizing, please take advantage of these courses while it's free. They're a great resource. So tell me specifically about your workshop. What do you tell people when they come into that? The workshop that I facilitate is, and we're having one this evening actually, is funding your business. And it's really just about that. It's broken down into two segments. It lasts three hours. And 
the first segment is around, you know, how do you prepare for a bank or an investor? You know, what information do you need? What process did you do you have to go through to prepare for that meeting? So we spent a lot of time on that. And then the second half of the program is centered around all the different types of funding resources that are out there. So the one thing that I highlight again, we just talked about, we can't overemphasize the importance of a business plan is just that. And one of the second or third slides that is presented at that workshop, it starts with a statement, why do most startup businesses fail? You know, what's the primary reason most business startup businesses fail? And then the next slide says lack of capital. And I think generally speaking, most people probably agree with that. I, to- I, I totally disagree with that. And, and I stated, I said, it's in the program. I'm supposed to be supporting everything that's in this program. But this is one thing starting out right now. So I don't know if I'm killing my credibility or not. But nah, I think uh, you're just being actually more I, realistic. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times when I'm mentoring a business owner or business that they come in and said, if I only need whatever, $50,000, $150,000, I can make this business work. And right there, that's just a sign to me that A, they haven't done a business plan and B, they don't realize that that's, and most people don't. I mean, obviously, you know, you need capital. There's no doubt about it. You need money to, to make money. There's absolutely no question about that. And it's a very important part of having a business. But from my viewpoint and from my experiences, especially with a startup company, if you've gone through all the processes that you need to go through to start a business, to do the research, to put together the business plan, then the most important part is you're going to have affirmed and confirmed the viability of your product and how you're going to compete and what everything you need to make that happen. And so by going through that process, you essentially just put yourself in a very advantageous standpoint because you're marketable now. You've done all the research and you've conf- you know, I mean, and that person, they they know one way or another if they've gone through that exercise if they are going to be successful because they did all that homework. As such, you go through that process, the capital piece of it's going to be the easiest part. Because you have so many things that you have already done, you've taken care of it. Do you have people that come in from a franchise standpoint? Or does that is that not as necessary from a financial need? If it's a franchise, you kind of already know they may fund it. What's the difference if I'm, a, if I'm a franchisee and just a small business owner? Well, the biggest difference is you have data, right? Because the franchisor is going to be able to provide the potential franchisee with you know all the historical data and the expectations of how this product's going to be received and how much sales are going to occur in the first, second, third year in a similar market. They'll have all that research done. So that helps, obviously, everybody in, in the process of evaluating. And it always comes down to that that entrepreneur, that business. I mean, that kind of comes down to that passion. You know, why are they going into this business? You know, do they have an experience in it or do they have a passion for it? You know, a lot of times when we're mentoring, a lot of folks just come in because they're tired of being an employee. Again, that's not hard to discern in the first few minutes of the conversation. And I don't say that, but they don't haven't done the business plan and they haven't gone through the process. My internal thoughts are, you, know, you really need to look in the mirror and just turn right back around and go back and be an employee because obviously it's not that easy to just go into business and 
you really, again, you really have to have that passion. And from my experience, to energize those creative juices in you, you know, to, to like make you want to do, you should want to do the business plan. You know, it, it should be exciting to do the business plan because, you know, this is something you really have a passion for and you'll be able to articulate it so well. And, you know, people see that and it's that energy, you know, you create that energy, others are going to follow through and follow up. And so that's why I say the capital piece of it's going to be the easiest part if you've gone through it and validated everything and you know you're going to be successful. Others are going to want to be part of that. I have a quick question. Uh, as far as score goes, do they keep records of like on age genders or anything like that on people coming in at a very young age thinking they can turn the world around by like uh, Amazon and all these other you know great people that brought their business at a young age up? Or is it more when you say a passion versus just an employee that doesn't want to work for anybody else? Is there more of a, a younger age or a middle age or an older age or anything? Or, or let me let me caveat on that. Is it an age or is it the industry they're going into? Because I want to talk about restaurants that's real a, quick when we're done. Way. From my, you know, I can only speak. We're all myself. old, so to, that's fine. To answer your question, though, I I'm sure score national score has some statistics on that. We we I don't think we do that at the local level, but. It's all across the board, you know, and it comes down to passion and experience, really. I mean, if, if a person has worked in that industry, it doesn't matter what age they are. Obviously, you know, they have to have a little bit of age on them to have, have the experiences. But, you know, we've had a lot. I've dealt with a lot of really young folks, early, mid-20s, that are just really talented individuals that have really, have that passion. And they have been successful because of that. They figured it out. And they might not have the experience and the wisdom at 24 years old, but they have all the other ingredients. And again, they have energy. It, they have the energy and the passion. And, they, and I think that's, I think that's a good thing to put that on our podcast. So we get the younger to get more in an achieving stage versus just walking and thinking, hey, I have an idea. Yeah. And again, when you've been told, and this is definitely shows our age with this whole everybody gets a trophy thing, people might tend to think that, oh my gosh. I'm just, I've got this idea, I'm 24, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. And you don't want to squelch the fire that they may have there, but you also no. have to be realistic. So are you a realistic mentor? I like to think I am. And what do you do? I mean, the, be the best, you have to be. I mean, you, you have to be realistic because you're not helping anybody by not being it. And so we do, uh, you know, of course, as much benefit by telling or getting somebody to understand that their idea or the product is not going to work, then we do, you know, encouraging them along, you know. And so we also introduce them to other resources, you know, particularly at SCORE at the NEC, the National Entrepreneur Center, that has 14 different nonprofit agencies that support small businesses. You know, we'll refer, you mentioned earlier, SBDC. SBDC might have an expertise within their organization that this particular business can help with. So we work all together with these different resources. SBDC for me, Steve South, we're going to have him on here at some point. He helped me a lot in my process. I had worked for somebody my entire life. Then I decided to open a business at one point. It was a lot more than that, but I tried the going back to work for somebody and then finally said, look, this really is my passion. You can make it work, but we're obviously not going to have enough time to get this all in at 30 minutes. So we're going to have to bring you back. If Love you can to. do that, that would be awesome because there's some things we want to talk about. New business owners not wanting to ask for help, the entrepreneurial mindset, good and bad, among among other things. But we do have a tip of the day today. 
And the tip of the day, Mr. Craig, is? He says, make sure you have enough capital. What's that mean, Tim? I, ironically, you know, we're here today talking with somebody that's about capital. And you say you don't always have to have it, but you have to have a realistic expectation that small businesses tend not really to have enough capital to get themselves going. Well, you have to have the capital. Obviously. You have to have the capital. Is there a percentage? Is there like 50% up or what? It, that's that's across the board. It, it, it really is. It depends on each individual situation. It, but the it really does. Plan, you know, good business plan bears out that exact number that they're going to need if they've done the right And then work. plan as if you expect to receive no income for a while, oh, just to make sure that you have enough capital correct. to go that. So I think that'll do it for us today. We're kind of done with this one. It goes so fast. I know we're going to have even more coming back next time. So thank you again, sir, for being here. Appreciate the opportunity Craig. to talk about all the different resources. I'm awake. Woo, we're awake. We're going to have ice cream. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.